Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know Am I under arrest or should I get some more? Well, you was doing 55 and the 54 uh -huh. Lost in the registration, they step out of the car You carrying a weapon on you, I know a lot of you are I ain't stepping out of shit, all my papers legit Well, do you mind if I look around the car a little bit? Really did was let the police terrorize whoever But mostly black boys But they would call us niggas And lay us on our belly while they fingers on their triggers They boots was on our head They dogs was on our crotches And they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches going on everybody as always it's your boy jesse mccoy i am joined once again by the world's leading foremost legal leap uh humorous sean carter how you doing man I've, I've had better weeks brother had better weeks understandable understandable well this, this is our first official live edition of the brothers-in-law podcast and it looks like we already have people uh lined up to comment uh feel free to ask questions, to vent about uh, what's been going on in the, over the past couple of weeks. I know people have stuff that they want to talk about. We have actually an attendee chat window, so feel free to chat uh, and type your questions or just type if you want us to recognize you if you have something to say. And we'll do our best to answer and just kind of uh, address whatever is going on or whatever you're thinking about right now. If you have questions, if you're some of you may not necessarily be from America and you're just confused as uh as to what's going on generally uh the answer to that is we are too so, uh, so so feel free to type your questions or let us know um but in the meantime just want to know like i'll start off how, how are you dealing with uh well now what we have is the elevated convict uh, the elevated charges for officers shopping uh but the process for us getting here how are you dealing with I got to tell you, you know, I'm happy to see Brother Ellison is is taking over. I'm absolutely convinced. I have no proof, but that never stopped me from having a conviction, right? I'm absolutely convinced that the former uh, DA was trying to lose the case in every single way. Um, one, he charged the wrong charge. The way Minnesota work, law works, third degree was not even a possibility. For him, third degree would have automatically, um, you know, been thrown out as being third degree in, in Minnesota is basically reckless behavior, but it's reckless behavior not directed to one individual. Right. You drive drunk, you shoot up a place, but you're not trying to hit one person. But if you try to drive your car to an individual person, that's second degree. Right. And so what we have here is an act of violence against one person. It's very simply second degree. 
I don't know what law school. Um, it must have been, you know, law school slash motor. Maybe, maybe it was kind of a, you know, a mechanic. You know, I think I don't even know what it was. I think he 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 got he got his law degree at Google um, University for sure. And it's not even an accident. You know, it seems like you could talk to this more about this about I think the autopsy. You know, how do you release the charges on Friday? So we got them, and then have the the, the medical examiner come out that day and go, uh, it wasn't murder. You you know, what I think people need to understand is uh policing, particularly when there's an error committed by the police department, this this racism thing runs deep. So, you know, everybody knows exactly why George Floyd isn't with us anymore. We saw it on videotape. Right. The fact that the medical examiner felt comfortable to even release a report that would indicate anything otherwise was the cause of death is is just unfathomable. And it tells me that this is probably a process that that police department and that medical examiner have been engaged in uh, for, for years. Years. Um, and he was going to cover that officer uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I, amazingly, his argument was that George um, Floyd – you know, must have, you know how we can't we can't we can't stay away from the pole, right? So he we must have one or two many too many hot links or something, and therefore it's hard. I'm like, yeah, everybody's hard stop when you choke them to death. That's actually absolutely it works, right? And absolutely. to me, it, it's like his his whole argument was ridiculous. Where it's not murder because something else happened. But they, you know, if you <laughs> you cut someone's head off, and yeah, I guess they didn't die from having a head cut off. They died from losing all the blood, right? But it's kind of the same thing, right? And the idea that that we have to tell this to a medical examiner, like you said, makes me think that this is a problem. I hate to think of all the other cases. But here's the weird part is the DA was mm-hmm. not in a position to challenge that. If the DA had mm-hmm. gone and said, my medical examiner sucks, then mm-hmm. what did they say about all the 2,000 other convictions they got this year? Right. And so one of the things is that once you sort of go down that route, so let, you know, Brother Ellison take it over in an ideal world, we would have a federal government that could do that. But. Oh, my God, that's a whole nother issue. man. (laughs) Federal government went crazy. So there are a couple of things I want people to understand. One thing. uh, Well, first, I'm getting the note that apparently there was an earthquake in Orange County, California, right when we started talking. So. Um, <laughs> so I hope everybody is okay. Uh, thank you for letting us know that. And then I want to do a quick shout out to, um, Letitia Goble, John Bishop, and, uh, uh, Renee C. I think you may know who that is. And, uh, <laughs> uh for, for listening. Um, I, I'll say this. I think one of the things that we have become accustomed to is President Trump loves to talk out of his ass cheeks. And what I mean by that is he claims powers that he has no way of using, no way of having. Then he runs and hides in his bunker every time he makes these statements. So what you all realize, um, was it last night or night before? I can't even remember anymore. He, he made a statement about how he felt the governors were being too weak on the protesters. They were allowing them to loot and destroy because the categorization of the protesters is obviously that they're looting and they're destroying stuff. And that's more important than anything else they're talking about. And he threatened to basically deputize the National Guard, commandeer the National Guard to have them turn on American citizens for peaceable assembly. Now, 
I don't know what's worse. The fact that he wanted to do a whole Caesar, you know, Caesar thing or, you know, cross the Rubicon or the fact that this is coming from Bunker Bitch. <laughs> I saw that name the other day. And that's all I'm calling him. That, that, that's all I'm calling anybody. All right. Everybody going to be Bunker Bitch from now on. <laughs> but how are you going to be hiding in, in, in the bunker? You, you should have seen they was. He was inspecting the bunker. Really? I, I don't understand. Like we we know that he's obviously scared because I remember when El Chapo, when the rumor was El Chapo got free, <laughs> and, and he thought somebody was running up on the stage, and he was. Oh, uh, to... <laughs> so so my thing is, if you know you're scared and you know you got enemies, why do you continue to do things that are one just not good, not good business at all? Number two. Like you're you're taking the Constitution and wiping your ass with it. Like you you're basically saying, I don't care about your First Amendment. I must make sure the Second Amendment's there. Well, right. there there's some debate there because I think some people have told me they felt like that was a call to arms for the racist groups that have been trying to infiltrate the protesters to say, hey, we're gonna make sure your Second Amendment rights protected. The Second Amendment is, is weird because it, it, it's only about one and a half, really, because it don't apply to everybody. Right, right. Like one and three fifths amendment, right? Because uh, some of us don't, don't, don't apply to. I wish we would come out show out there with with uh with, you know with AR fifteen to see what would happen. Yeah. Uh, right. Now, as far as you know, Trump and, and, and the government, something happened today with Mattis. Yes. Yes. Um, so. I've seen a lot of people who have been taking stances against Trump ever since he threatened to use the military against American citizens. But uh, General Mattis uh, came out with probably the strongest rebuke of Donald Trump today that I've ever seen of any current or former advisor. Uh, and basically, he took this to the ultimate because he says this was an affront to the First Amendment in its entirety. Right. He says that it does nothing but stoke uh, continued divisiveness between the government entities and the people. Uh, and that all he's been doing is trying to divide people from the very beginning. But, but, uh, that's, that's what got me, though. All right. Hmm. How are you going to come in and me to come with come bring this to me three years after? Right. You've been wrong. I'm like, well, you were actually <laughs> here standing right next to him when he was wrong. Right. And I'm just like, I have a hard time, you know, if you ain't quit like early, right? If you, you know, and, and here's what I love about it. You can't tell me that, that, you know, you were a general. We gave you responsibility for, for, for lives, thousands of lives and billions of dollars of assets. And you mm-hmm. didn't know you the fool because I knew right. the fool right in June of 2015 when he came down the steps in an ill-fitting suit and said, all <laughs> Because if you got a billion dollars, your suit should fit better than that. That's all I'm saying. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> how the hell matters? How are you going to run a war? You can't figure out that Trump crazy. Well, you know, I think it's different when the check has your name on it, right? So, so, I think when he was getting paid, it's like, okay, well, we can make this work. But even in his time when he was working with Trump, you know, that was the whole back and forth that they had while he was in the administration anyway. Because Trump would tell him to do something. Mattis was saying, well, in all my years of military experience, that's not how this works. And Trump would be like, F you do it. And basically, Mattis at some point couldn't do it anymore. Right, right. And um, so, <laughs> program policies, I think it was when we, we sold out the courage of one of the groups, right, in the, right, uh, right. In, in the Middle East. But 
you know, it, like I said, it seems to me there's a lot of, of crazy and legal stuff like before now. And it's interesting where everybody draws their line. Right. And Absolutely. the problem with that is, though, is that if you draw, if you draw your line two and a half or three years after you were in it and part of it, and then after you got fired or you quit, then it looks like kind of sour grapes, right? Right. Versus Absolutely. you just come out, you know, straight up from day one and be like, oh, no, no, fool. All right, this fool's crazy. And by the way, don't tell me, because I ain't got no power. You know what you need to tell? Tell Congress. Right. Tell right. the Armed Services Committee. You know, I already knew it was, it was crazy, right? What, what, are you, what, what are you telling me for or the New York Times or whatever? You know, go tell somebody that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know. Right. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, people, we have emojis just like uh, on, on, on Facebook. Uh, don't, I don't want to see no thumbs down. All right, I'm going to tell you that now because, by the way, <laughs> I got a bye-bye button on here, too. All right, don't make me. <laughs> All right, because I will do that, too. Exactly. There you go. All right. Um, I'm I'm just telling people in in the group, make sure that you uh, type questions. We we don't bite unless the question is horrible. And, you know, first time, long time listener, first time caller. I I can, you know, if you got a microphone, I'll go ahead and and, and go live and you can, uh, you know, make your mark. That's how Sean Hannity got his start, calling in the talk radio. Absolutely. You can be big. And all, of course, this monster, all this monster sponsorship money. Uh, <laughs> monster, if you're out there, uh, you only have to give us money. I, I drink enough of this. All right? Just give me three, four cases a day, and we good. You, you give Sean the cases, give me the money. I need the money. <laughs> 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 all right, so we got Arnaldo or Rodriguez. Let me go ahead and put you on, brother. And, and, Ohio, and, and, all right, hey. here we go. Oh no, I can't. You don't have a microphone, brother. Where's the microphone? Oh, you, you're on the phone, aren't you? You're on a mobile device, aren't you? Yeah, I think he, I think he uh, sent a message earlier. He wanted to know uh, about qualified immunity. Ah, actually, no, no, no. But oh, no, I got an idea. I can actually, you, you can uh, call in. Let me give you the number, buddy. And I'm gonna send it to you now in the uh, the message here. So you go ahead and um, get this message, and you can call in the number. We'll, we'll put you on. In the yeah. meantime, Jesse, did you have any thoughts about um, not just, I guess, Trump's or the, the maddest thing, but do we still have a functioning federal government? Do we <laughs> are we still Americans? Or are you a North Carolinian? I'm just, a, you know. Um. That's debatable. Now, I'll say right now, you know, my, my governor, he's not perfect, but he's been showing out. He's been doing a great job uh, here recently. Uh, they, they got him out to march with the protesters yesterday. Um, you know, he's he's you know, it's an election year. So I'm cautioning. I'm prepping. Oh, no, 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 no. As far as they march with the and we got Carmelita on here, too. We both got Carmelita White. Carmelita, you come on in here and you tell Jesse now. All right, about what you're protesting. You pulled you pulled something earlier today to, to curse Jesse out, please. <laughs> okay, she she just asked a question. Carmelita says, "Do you think Trump will be reelected, or will the current climate secure Biden's election?" Mm. I know. I, you know what the funny thing is? I don't know, and here's why I I, I don't know. Carmelita here. Carmelita, where are you? 
Right. Well, if you can say something, can but I'm going to answer the question and say that it depends. And in the question, really, the issue is very. Oh, there you are. Hello. Can you guys? Hello. We can hear. Hey. Okay, hold on. Let me fix my camera because the way that. No, no, no. Okay, because the sun shines there. Is that better? Perfect. I can hear you perfectly. Okay. You asked us a question, but who do you think will win the election? You know, I don't know. So somebody on Facebook made a really good point earlier today. They said that Trump being in office and him inciting all of these racists to basically come out of the closet has shown us what these politicians, who these politicians really are. Mm. And it's like regurgitated the history of the United States of America. Like we see it for what it is right now. Mm-hmm. So if Joe Biden were to get elected, I guess the masses would fall back asleep, so to speak. If Trump stays in office another four years, well, then we'll continue to see uprisings and we'll continue to see the youth rioting. And, and, and not only that, what I've seen, and you guys correct me if you think I'm wrong. I've seen a lot of white youth out there with uh with black youth mm-hmm. for change mm-hmm. and fighting. Like that uh is a really good thing. Something it, that it is. So much in I'm the past. I mean, I'm wondering how much that has to do with the, the road roll though. With what? The road roll. With the road roll. <laughs> Okay. You and, and do me a favor, kind of hear back. You can kind of hear um, feedback from from you. Um, you have headphones or anything? I do not. All right, don't worry about it then. Here's the thought. The thought is is that it's like being in the house for the last few months, and about you, but I've been in the house for the last few months, and you let me out. I pretty much do any damn thing. I'm 19. All right, I have the plan. If you let me out the house, and maybe I can go kiss somebody in the mouth. So, really speaking, I'm not sure that they, that they really, you know, want all that smoke. And if it gets real rough, uh, I don't imagine that Chad and Skyler are going to really be, you know, uh, hubby, uh, bye bye. I'm not disputing that, and I think you're 100% correct. The fact that there are a lot of people on lockdown, there are a lot of people unemployed that they've kind of piggyback onto what the black youth are, are doing right now. And they're feeling what we typically feel every day in the United States of America. They are mm-hmm. right now. No, so I, I agree with that. No, what, no, what do you think? You think hard, well, you know, I, I think this, I think that if there was ever a case study about somebody who absolutely should not be president, we have seen it. The fact that people are out of work, the fact that people uh, can't afford to go to the doctor, even if they might have coronavirus, the fact that police are still killing folks, the fact that um, people have come out uh, protesting, the fact that we have so much stuff going on in such a short period of time in an election year. Usually your election year, you try to be you keep your nose clean. like You, you try to tell people like all the good things you did. Uh, we have a president who was trying to use the military to declare war on Americans in an election year. So it, it's, it's, uh, for me, I kind of feel like if Joe Biden doesn't win this, he he shot himself in the foot because this is this is basically handing it over. 
I think that the problem I have is Joe Biden doesn't really strike me as anybody who is is really aggressively out there. Like, I feel like we have to strain and pull to get Joe Biden to say something. And when he does, it's a condemnation of Trump. I don't necessarily feel like what he said was supportive of me. The only person I've heard say anything supportive was Barack Obama, who can't run anymore. So, <laughs> um, oh, and I should say Barack Obama and Popeye's chicken. They also said, they also said. <laughs> Tell me how Ben and Jerry's though is, is the Malcolm X of food yes. restaurants, right? And, and but now as far as is, is Biden, here's the thing about this. Now, I don't know if it's Biden's fault because if you have a pandemic and you can't go anywhere, right? Then what do you do? Now, by the way, I'm, I got to get Carmelita back in here because I think she got some thoughts on Obama. Now, Jesse, the thing about Jesse, you got to understand, Jesse is always going to support the black man at least for the first four days. All right, the first four days after anything, Jesse gonna hide a brother. Doesn't matter what it is, but eventually <laughs> he gonna come around on 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 on, on this Obama thing. Um, because um, I heard him today, and I don't mind like right, Obama's calm. I didn't expect him to be like, look, I'm tearing shit up. I'm beat. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm. Oh, there you go. Hey, unmute yourself, Carmelita. Unmute yourself. Hey, how you doing? Um, but here's the thing: is it's like. <laughs> when he came out with most of these cops are good cops. Right? Then I'm like, come on, bro. You know math yeah. doesn't be. All right. Yeah, How do you understand? We went to the same law school and they wouldn't even let me in the same side of school with him. I was in the, the bunk in the <laughs> law students, right? <laughs> I was in there, you know, eating, you know, cream corn and, 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 <laughs> and playing tic tac toe, right? And he was over there with the smart people. I know his math skills are better than mine. He can't possibly tell me that all oh, we keep seeing this, but he, today he was doing the same thing and I'm like, you, you don't have to run anymore. Who are you trying to impress? Right, go ahead and tell me once, brother. I mean, I hate to think what's going to happen on Obama's deathbed. His will is just going to be cursing everybody out. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny because I always think if somebody is essentially in a position or ever has been in a position where they are the top, I guess you call it the top law enforcement officer for the country, can you ever really be in a position where you say, Oh, these police is wild. Like, <laughs> like I get some of that. Like, I give him a little bit more leeway on that. Um, but I also think at the same time, we as a community expect a lot more. Like, I think Obama was, was kind of cursed from the beginning because we expected that he was going to get us reparations. He was going to, like, get rid of the police. He was going to make legal. We legal. Uh, we just thought so much stuff was going to come that's not fair to uh, all the things that he really did do to help our communities. Uh, so I, I understand. I'm I certainly get it. I'm a but, I, but I love Obama. Obama to grow some watermelon on the White House lawn. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, call me over. We could split this, you know, sit on the White House porch and split this one open. But uh, as far as Barack Obama, I... I try, I tend to tread lightly because I know how we feel about him. I think for the most part, his, his administration was aesthetically pleasing to us and I get it. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, he was the president of the United States. And so he put forth the agenda that was in the best interest of the United States. And typically what is in the best interest of the U.S. is not in the best interest of black people. That's and that's true. true for me. 
Um, I feel like they are trying to use Obama to get us to calm down. He comes out, he starts talking about he doesn't condone the violence, and we need to get a plan to get the U.S. back up and running. And this is basically, this is going to be another issue. Let's say that did happen. Let's say that people stopped rioting and everything calmed down and Joe Biden was elected. Eventually, it's going, there's going to be another problem. I can't predict the amount of time it will be before another problem occurs, but it's going to be another problem because America has a nasty racist history and America will not condone for it. And they won't have these problems that are directly the result of this nasty racist history. Absolutely. Well, you know, I know how much time it'll be. It'll probably be about 24 hours. Because uh, <laughs> apparently uh, we were just talking earlier before the show about um, David uh, McAtee in Louisville. And we were like, how, how is the Louisville Police Department already under investigation for what happened to Breonna Taylor? And they still are out here <laughs> doing reckless stuff. It's just there's no accountability. And, and it seems like there's no accountability on a national scale for anything police do. I'm almost at the point where I feel like as president, apparently there are so many checks and balances in place that you really can't do anything. Like maybe it's better to pull the Trump, the Trump position and act like you can do everything when you really can't. Because if, if there was ever an opportunity to say, Hey, let's pull back policing. Let's pull back some of the uh, weapons that we're shipping off to the police departments around the area. Like it would seem like that coming from the top would make the difference, but no matter who's been in the chair, we always are going to see that it's black communities that are always going to be the ones getting killed by police. And then the last thing is, as far as um, nonviolent protests, right, we all know that the white community, particularly the corporate community, loves nonviolent protests because they want to protect their property interests and they don't want you burning their store down. I get right. that. I, I guess my concern, though, is. It seems to me throughout history, any time that there was a successful nonviolent protest, there was a uh, incredibly violent group waiting in the wings in case you didn't want to listen to that nonviolent person. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I feel like we have lost that. We've somehow been brainwashed into understanding that. We, no, no, be, no, we got it back. Yeah. Mama, I told you the other day. <laughs> ride or die now. <laughs> I don't know exactly how much work she willing to put in at 73. I'm 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 that she probably is not willing to ride as hard as she says she is. Okay. But, but, but she talking about pulling people, you know, police out their house, like you know what, and burning the house down, right? Maybe right. getting them out first, but maybe not. All right. She was she looked at me dead in the eye and was like, "Hey, you know, they need to be scared of us." I'm like, "Mom, I'm scared of you. I know that. I'm scared of you." <laughs> That doesn't count. All black kids are scared of their mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your mama ain't, ain't threatening to pull police out of the house. I'm like, damn, mama. Uh, <laughs> I, here's the thing about it is, though. I don't, I don't know about you, but the last week or two, I've been angrier and crazier than I've ever been. Like, things I would never, I'm not going to do, but I thought about that I would never even think about before. I was thinking about calling you and, and, and figure out how to get a gun. But then I realized, no. Um, because um, I'm I'm scared. <laughs> it comes to me. Uh, and, I know. And, and careless. I know. 
<laughs> See, Renee laughing. And I got life insurance. <laughs> That's why she want to get a gun. We got life insurance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's funny, Sean? I looked on the Arizona DPS website today, and I asked them to send me a, um, a, a weapons permit. Really? Yeah. I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. They, uh, in Arizona, they, you have to, uh, do a fingerprint check. And then I think it takes about between 60 and 75 days. I'm assuming that it's going to take longer right now just because of everything that's going on. But I, I do have a fingerprint clearance card, but the fingerprints that I submitted are like maybe four or five years old now. So it's a process, but I looked into it. They don't need to know all your business. They don't need to know all your business. Go to a gun show and get you what you want. They don't need, <laughs> they don't need to know all your business. I tell you what, though, if you went and got a weed permit, it won't take a day. That's all. I'm just hypothetical. <laughs> Where do I go? It'll take me <laughs> you go in with hair like this, you probably about 25 minutes. They're like, he, he already got it. He's crazy as he is. Um, oh, hey, one thing is, if anybody else wants to get in this conversation here, but one thing I want to do is I want to play a video. Carmelita was talking about it. This is the, the, I pulled this video up. This is the Obama that at least Carmelita and I wanted, um, for, that, that we didn't get. But this is the Obama that I'm talking about. And this is from Richard Pryor, uh, when he had his show way back in the day, first black president. 100% in the black areas, and of course it would be lower in the white areas, of course. We're trying to do this and merge a United States. <laughs> Mr. President, Mr. President. Yes. Uh, Arthur Williams, Chicago Sun Herald. You've just okayed a $250 million increase in our space program. What I'd like to know is the main reason you did this so we can finally recruit black people for the space program? I feel it's time that black people went to space. Uh, <laughs> white people have been going to space for years. And spacing out on us, as you might say. <laughs> and I feel with the, the projects that we have in mind, we're going to send explore ships through other galaxies. And no longer will they have the same type of music, Beethoven, Brahms, and Tchaikovsky. And now we have little Miles Davis and Charlie Parker. We're going to have some different kind of things in there. That's right. Yes, yes, yes ma'am. Roberta Davies. Jet Magazine. <laughs> Mr. President, on your list of candidates for director of the FBI, are you including the name of Huey Newton? Yes, I figured that Huey Newton is best qualified. He knows the ins and outs of the FBI. If anybody knows him, he would be an excellent director. Yo, blood. <laughs> I plan not only to have lots of black quarterbacks, but we're going to have black coaches and black owners of teams. As long as it's going to be football, going to be some black in it somewhere. Right. Yeah, right. I'm tired of this mess that's been going down. Right. You know what I mean? 
ever since the Rams got rid of James Harris, I've been my job in the front. You know what I'm talking about? So we're going to get down on the case now. Now, admit it. You would have loved it just one time, Obama. Just one time. <laughs> now, we actually had a question here from Arnaldo that was actually a good question about qualified immunity and how do we get rid of it. Two oh, things. Yeah. One, that's a legislative thing. Certainly, it's not a constitutional thing. You could get rid of it if you could um, get a lot less white people. Uh, you probably could get rid of it. But the problem is, even if you got rid of it, uh, most cops don't have the money to pay, right, the $78 million that is rightfully owed to the, to the, to the George uh, Floyd family. So mm -hmm. even if you got rid of the officer's qualified immunity. Now, on the other hand, the fact that you could break him and get him to be broke might get him to release the charcoal a little faster if he thought he was going to have to sleep outside. <laughs> right? So maybe. But that's what I thought Obama could have done that. Because I thought what Obama was, hey, all these people doing this, just charge them. Even if you can't get a conviction, no, I can't afford a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. I know that he can't afford a cop, can't afford a lawyer. All right, let him go broke. All right? And then, you know, uh, you know, the wife leave him. This one already left before, before the trial even came up, right? Uh, oh, you know, wives of, of races have been showing out. Um, they had the lady who was uh, showing that her, her husband, who was a police officer, was the one in the mask breaking the Target windows. Did you see right. that video? And she was like, yeah, this is who it is. That's my man. I, I, I left him. And we sitting there, you know, what's funny to me is I always think in my mind, like, but you married him. And you knew he was racist. So what do you mean? <laughs> she knew. We didn't know. <laughs> Once we found out, then it was like, oh, everybody knows now. I got to Right, right, right. Well, that's true. Stephanie, you, you out there, um, you probably burning stuff down now. I can't even reach you. Uh, but if you, you want to come on, cause, cause, cause Stephanie says the other day, um, which, which really got me, I didn't, I, I have to confess, I haven't, remember, by, by profession, I'm a cynic. A cynic. That's how you write humor. You don't write humor from the standpoint of everything's great, right? And even I did not realize just how messed up America was. Like it, 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 it made it surprise me that it could be this bad, right? Mm -hmm. You know, die on camera. You know, that's kind of stuff. You know, even you don't even do that in Soviet Russia. They would take you in the back somewhere, and you know, you know what he does that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, these cops have lost their minds. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a new day. And see, this is the thing. It, it isn't just uh, Minneapolis, right? So Minneapolis was the, the powder keg, right? But what I am shocked about is that we knew that every black person, when they saw that uh, George Floyd video, we were going to be pissed. You knew right. that. And we were going to assemble. We were going to protest. Our allies were going to come out. They were going to protest. What I didn't expect was that the law enforcement would go out of their way to instigate um, conflict, to tear gas people, which I'm told tear gas isn't even supposed to be something that uh, is used in wartime anymore. So they're tear gassing people. And like when you see the pictures of like babies, right? And it's not just black babies. This is they, they think as white babies. So, you know, something is wrong. I out. All right. I didn't even know that was legally physically possible. All right. But certainly I didn't think it was legal to be able to do. And by the way, they were just like, oops, sorry about that. Yeah, I right. have it in the, in the street. 
it's it's ridiculous. Like you saw what they did to um the two people in the the car in Atlanta when the officers just started breaking into their windows and yet trying to yank people out and um tasing them the whole nine. Well, it's interesting because those brothers forgot they were black for a little while. <laughs> Think about it. It, it, yeah. it got charged faster than the three guys in Minneapolis, right? Who who who, who killed George Floyd? The three accessories. They they got charged first. They didn't wait for, for the court to wake open on on the, on the weekend. They called a judge in on Sunday, ruined his Sunday. He, he couldn't go to church. They were charging somebody. That's what I love is every once in a while, our brother will forget. So, so he, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get a little colorblind and think that uh, blue uh, overpowers that black. And then he oh, gets yeah. he get his wake-up call. And, and, and let me tell you, you know, uh, I have to give a shout-out to my fellow Rattler, Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, right. mayor of Atlanta. Uh, she didn't waste any time with that. Uh, I think that there have been a lot of gripes. I, I don't know if you all saw, like, the Atlanta, the Douglas High School conference with Killer Mike and T.I. and all them. Uh, there was, there was some negative energy that was put towards that conference. But what I'll say about Keisha Lance Bottoms is she seems like she is running a, a good ship because she's also on the short list for Joe Biden's possible VP picks. Really? So if there was ever a time to not be messing up. <laughs> this, this was the time. If you're a police officer in Atlanta, this is not the time to be messing up because she will make an example of you. You know what? Well, let's talk about that for a second because I think we realize. I I was two weeks ago. I was telling you Amy Klobuchar was it, and and but you know, right. I, I, but obviously uh, her track record is a little uh, suspect now, right? <laughs> um, you know who who do you think who do you guys think is going to be the 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 VP uh, selection? Um, I think Klobuchar. Now, Klobuchar's got to be good. She, 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 she uh, you know, let, um, what is his name? Shot, shot, yeah. Yeah. I heard yeah, that. I think Klobuchar's good. I, you know, I hate to be, you know, I, I just got to go for Team Black, man. I'm still on the Stacey Abrams. Right. <laughs> I still want Stacey Abrams. I think, um, you know, she, she went, she did. All the things that you're expected to do when it comes to, like, even when she had to walk back statements, I know it was hard for her when they started coming out with all the sexual harassment allegations against Joe Biden. I know it was hard for her to be like, well, you know, I don't know. I, I believe that you got to believe all women, but I don't necessarily believe this woman, whatever the case may be. I know for her that's not normal, but I think she wouldn't do that unless she knew that this was forming this, the uh, solidification with Joe Biden to move to something bigger and he needs her like he needs her. So I, I'm hoping that it's going to be her. If it's not her, you know, I'm a big Elizabeth Warren fan. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm on an Island all by myself, uh, flying my Elizabeth Warren CFPB flag, but it's okay. Um, so if, if it's not going to be Stacey Abrams, then I would want it to be Elizabeth Warren uh, just because I need somebody who has already shown some degree of commitment for the American consumer, like just an American okay. working person. Let's, let's open up just to a poll. Okay. Let's ask vote out at home. Let, let, let's do a whole straw poll now. Think the BP pick is going to be Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris, Valerie Jarrett, some other sister. Um, they got a lot of them out there. Or the 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 the, the, the all time favorite, uh, some white woman. 
<laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> now, I think it's going to be some white woman. Uh, yeah, well, we'll vote. I tell you, it's interesting. I'm looking at the votes that are coming in here, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to show you guys the percentages. Um, so everybody can see, we got half the people going for some white woman. Maybe mm-hmm. born. Be a good pick, but but you know it. it, 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 it I, I would I would take uh, Becky with the with the good hands. <laughs> yep, I'll take her in a minute. The way she whooped the hell out of that woman in the, in, the, in the hotel lobby. I'm, I'm taking. <laughs> then we can get some in the White House. Oh, good, actually, though, is, is right up there at thirty six percent. It'll be interesting because I think Kamala, you know, is 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 sort of the sister with the the best chance, but she does have you know little cop issues on on, on her side too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not as bad as as as, as Cobra, you know, as, as Cobra Cop, but still. But would would you risk as a black person? I'm just curious. Would you risk with Kamala with a uh, 94 crime bill author? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I hear, I, I, I hear you. You know, one of the things that, that, that Kamala said earlier was the idea that, you know, Biden is just a, a, such a, you know, a milk toast guy that he's not going to move the ball forward. And you had, but remember, this was Susan Sarandon said, you know, when, when in, 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 in 2016, like, don't vote for Hillary. Right, vote for Trump because we'll be able, or you know, the third party because I want to be able to make sure that we keep the energy going. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're gonna be able to keep the energy going much longer, people. And by the way, if Trump in one term gave us the Roro, um, gave us, um, let's see, murder hornets, um, riots, yeah. um, cages, human beings locked in that, that, that actually that was that was some of his best times. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was that was some of his best work. Um, at least we at least everybody yeah. was crying immediately. I mean, this you oh, know yeah. you get out Trump brought Ebola back. I'm not kidding. There are four cases that were discovered in the Congo. He uh, can keep his best friends in North Korea, right? That's the good thing. And, and you know the thing is, you know if it's in Congo, you know today it'll be in, in all up in Detroit tomorrow because borders <laughs> do no, you know, screening or no mask. Uh, you know, so we we don't have it there too. And the whole point is, like we do all. I love this the idea that I understood that Trump was never going to try to make America great for black people, but he didn't make it great for nobody. Nobody. Not even just not even white Americans. If you Italian, it wouldn't be maybe great for you. Like it's been like horrible. The whole world's been horrible for everybody. All right, it ain't been good for Melania. She she looking miserable every day. All right, <laughs> looking stupid. Like it's not been good for you know Tiffany. It's been good for Tiffany. She got a law degree. Good for Tiffany. That's about the whole person somehow benefited the last three years of Tiffany. Well, you know, I I, I want to make sure that we give Trump's full record credit. He did send you twelve hundred dollars. If you qualified um, <laughs> to, to wipe away from all the bad stuff that he did, so you know, be be appreciative, right? You said what? I forwarded that check to Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> See, the funny thing is, someone just said here, you know, it'd be great for you if you were in the top one percent. Um, 
I was closer to 1% before uh, Trump got in, but uh, now I'm about uh, 83.5%. Uh, <laughs> I got two checks. Uh, they, 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 Trump, Trump wrote me a check. One of them was from his own personal account. <laughs> Trump got in. Oh, man. Oh, we got another question here from Aaron uh, Barnhart. It says, regarding cops of color, do you think ACAP applies or are they also oppressed by the system? Uh, I'm not sure what ACAP. Uh, all cops are, all cops are, are bastards. Now, oh, okay. now, now let me give you the answer. The official answer from the brother-in-law is, in four days, Jesse will come down against the brothers, but he's going to stick up for him for the first four days. That's Jesse's policy. Um, I'm going to tell you that I really don't care. Um, if you got your knee in my neck, you could be purple and pink polka dots, uh, but, but you still a problem to me. And part of the problem with black cops is, is that, you know, Ice Cube told us, t- told us what, 20 years ago, right? Is black cops showing out for the white cop. Yeah. There's a video of a brother, I'm going to go, got to go pull this up, of a brother who hit uh, about a seven-year-old woman in the mouth knocked her out cold. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because she hit a white cop. Now the white mm-hmm. cop, by the way, let her hit her twice because he was like, she's seven, right? What's she gonna do to me, right? But nope, this brother came and knocked her out, trying to, you know, trying trying to make sure he get a promotion, right? To you know, fourth shift, right? Assistant manager of of, of the file room, whatever you get, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit you know, promotion for knocking a sister out. But you know he wouldn't he wouldn't hit a white woman like that. I wish he would. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with cops, I think there is a difference if a, if a black cop does something like they were talking, they were comparing, contrasting uh, the black officer who killed a white woman and he was sentenced, he was convicted, right? And and what's going on now? So there's there are disparities there. You would think that you know the black police officers would kind of see that. But I agree. Even KRS made a song about black cops. They go hard in trying to yeah. fit in and trying to prove that they are part of the team. Absolutely. Now, Erin yeah. asked an interesting question. Said that she thinks that two of the bystander cops were rookies. Would you go less on them, maybe in sentencing, if, if you thought that, well, they were rookies, they were just, you know... <laughs> No. <laughs> no. What they black, Jesse? What they black? Could you give them a few days? So, so here are the things. So I, when I came into the practice of law, I started off doing criminal defense work. And in doing criminal defense work, you know, people, when I would go to church or wherever, would be like, how could you represent criminals? How could you do it? And to me, it was always a blurred line because I would always look at all the bad things that police do that people are so quick to overlook, right? People who just go up and they start searching your car, but they don't have any kind of warrant. They don't have any reason to search your car, but they just start trashing your car, leaving you on the side of the road. And, oh, they found some marijuana or whatever the case may be. So now that person gets branded a criminal. They get put in the the criminal justice system. They have all their employment opportunities basically taken away from them. But the cop was the one who was in the wrong in the first place. And so one of the things that I have personally accepted as a philosophy is I am more fearful of our system with officers who can cut corners than I am with a regular person getting away with a crime. I'm more fearful of that because if one person can get away with it and they're an officer and they represent our government, they are getting paid by our tax dollars. We pay for them to do that. 
So even with the George Floyd thing, we paid for the officers to do that. Right? We all saw, I think, that that meme that went around Chris Rock that basically says, look, certain jobs you can't have bad apples, right? Can't have apples a pilot. And I think that's a great example here. I think about, for instance, lawyers all the time. It's like, you get a bad lawyer out there, what's he going to do? Right? Maybe steal a little money, might sleep with the client. Client might enjoy it. All right? Probably not. All right? But, but, but the point is, you know, if, you, if you, know, you can't, as a bad lawyer, shoot anybody. All right? There are no, you can't, as a lawyer, be like, oh, I fear for my life I had to shoot, right, the opposing counsel. You can't, as a bad lawyer, you know, frame anybody for, for, for murder and, and have them put in jail unless you're a prosecutor. Right? But generally speaking, as a lawyer, you, there's, the, the, there's so little harm you could do. And that, yeah, okay, you can have some bad ones. But the harm that is so much, okay, I mean, so big for, 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 for cops that, you know what, we should be coming down on them extremely hard because it's like the bad pilot, right? And by the way, I love with pilots, you know, because of the harm they can do, we don't wait until pilots bring a plane down before then we start looking at them. All right, pilots got to go in every, every hour for a drug test. All right, and we're doing the good ones, too. We're taking toenails. Right, and, you know, all the good stuff, right? We want to mm-hmm. know how your marriage is. We want to see your money. Seriously, see, see if you owe somebody some money. Maybe you're going to be trying to, you know, shave some points off the flight time, right? <laughs> For Vegas or whatever <laughs> you do, right? You know, and yeah. it's like, we watch these people like a hawk. But the people we give a gun and a badge to, we're like, ah, you know, let them be on the, on, 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 you know, all weekend on a boat drinking Budweiser. That'd be fine. What could possibly happen on Monday? Right. And that's the issue. What is it? I can't remember what class I took. It was, I want to say it was civics, but I'm probably wrong. Anyway, one of the reasons for laws and sentencing is to uh, deter other people from doing things. So when you have a bunch of cops who are committing these crimes and they're never punished, they get a slap on the wrist, administrative uh, paid leave, the other cops are not discouraged from engaging in the same behavior. It is a problem. There's the, That's the difference between Cops doing bad things and civilians doing bad things. They're not in positions of power. And then you, you bring into play poverty, generational poverty, and the fact that people are struggling to feed themselves like basic necessities. It's a complete difference. You can't compare the two. And I work as a criminal justice paralegal in death penalty cases. So I read police reports and all of that stuff. You can't compare the two. You just can't. Let let me me tell you about the power of PR out here, because (laughs) cops get amazing PR. Like you see, Donald Trump was ready to declare war on us, the American citizens, to not have the Minneapolis police arrest the three cops that we all (laughs) saw murdered. Right. So the the, the PR swing is that people will say if you're in, let's say you're in a, a great community where the cops are your friends. And they're always looking out for your house when you're not there. And, you know, they come by for tea or grilling or whatever. It's a very different feel than if you're in a community where cops are afraid to go in or if they do come in, they're coming in in full force and riot gear. It's just different. And I think because because I've lived in both at this point, it's a very interesting dynamic because I think it all comes down to how that community receives Police officers, like growing up, we knew the police officers are not your friends. Right. And we're not going to talk to them. We're, even, even if I saw, I could be standing right there looking at the crime happen. And if the officer was like, what did you see? 
I don't talk to police. Right? <laughs> what if, but what if, okay, they had uh, ice cream cones with them and pulled you over? All right, would you then talk to them and they gave you ice cream cones? <laughs> I, I, Renee, my wife just put, put a comment that said, you know, basically, no more sympathy for these people. They're not handing out your know, ice cream cones at Dairy Queen, right? It's a serious job and they're right. free, right? Um, you know, the, the perception of it is weird because here's the thing is, I bet you you don't have that perception of the cops, even though you live in, in a nice neighborhood where your next door neighbor might love the cops. Uh, I still don't. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, right. you know, I've had a lot of bad experiences. We, the thing was passed around recently of have you ever had a gun pulled on you? And I was like, wow, I haven't. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a little more light skinned than I thought. Uh, I've I, 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 I <laughs> a little bit this summer. Uh, I didn't know. I was like, I, could, I, I would know I was this light skinned. I could be a curry. Right. Um, I have never had a gun pulled on me and I still, all right, you know, don't like, I've actually, and I told you this last time, but you know, last three times I've been pulled over. I, I, they, they didn't give me a ticket. All right. I pulled, you know, the lawyer thing, et cetera, but it don't mean I don't like them. All right. When I see, when I go in the convenience store to get my monster and the dude is sitting out there dressed like he's in, you know, in Fallujah. He got a flat jacket mm. on, and, and so I'm just looking at him like, what are you dressed for, fool? We in the suburbs, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I've tried, I've done that myself. What kind of IED you think you gonna run here, <laughs> right? At, at, at the QT, right at Mesa? Like, what is wrong with you? But here's the thing about it: someone said a great point today. If you get dressed up like Rambo every day. It's going to have to be first blood at some point, right? You ain't going to get dressed up every day not to fight somebody, right? That don't make no sense, right? And I'm like, you know what? Put on some Crocs. That should be the official shoes of of, of cops, Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) Wear Crocs. They'll never catch a suspect in them. Let's do it. You You know, hey, Sean, I've done that before. I was pulled over. I was driving. I was driving from Washington State to Arizona, and the, uh, we were in a Chevy Tahoe. My husband and the cop pulls us over. So I'm asking him, "Why are you pulling me over? Like, what's the issue?" I, well, you have Arizona plates, and you're, you know, really? You're, yeah, we were in. I think we were in Oregon, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I guess, it, I guess it's, it's against the law to travel between states, right? Even though it's kind of pretty right. <laughs> But that's what I think he thought that we were trafficking. But when I told him where I worked, uh-huh. he let me go. Absolutely. He let me I go. Police escort. Last time I was there, I, I told him I'm going to talk to a group of judges in the morning. If, if I'm not there, they're gonna be calling you. Um, so you know, you figure it out. But 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 other than that though. It's like, you know, I, I'm just always suspicious of them because of the attitude, the, the kind of concept of, you know, tell me where you're going. Motherfucker, I want you work for me. I don't tell you. You tell me where the hell you're going. All right? That's what I should be doing. I should be pulling his ass over going, you working or are you, are you goofing off? Right? Because you work for me. Right? <laughs> and his ass sitting around acting like I work for him. Right? You know, stand down. Sit down. Get on the ground. I'm going to tell you now, people. Let's be clear. Two things. One. If I'm ordered to get on the ground, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a statistic. All right. I'm going to be a hashtag. So learn to spell my name right. S H O N, S T Q W R N. Goddamn S E A N. All right. Sean, Sean, Sean Carter. And secondly, riot. Burn. Right. 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 
go to other countries and burn that shit down. <laughs> go take vacation, go somewhere. And by the way, burn your own goddamn house down. Right? I don't give a damn what you do, but burn something. All right, maybe something. I, I don't want to be the big. You know, you, you know, what dishonor my memory. No, the honor of my memory will be shit burnt up in ass. Right? That's that'd be, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be honor my memory. Well, you know, and I and I got to co-sign that message too, man, because um. You know, I, my my police run-ins have ended way differently than both of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I remember I was 13 years old. I put this up on Facebook the other day. I was 13 years old. I wanted to be a doctor, and I had gotten this uh, internship working for a doctor at UNC Chapel Hill. And it wasn't big. It was just like, you know, go run some errands for them. They paid me, though. So I said, okay, great. So he wanted a coffee. I went to get a coffee. I'm walking back towards the, the med school. And a, a Chapel Hill police officer just gets out of his car and he walks up to me. I'm not thinking anything about it. He asked me, why are you uh, stealing computers and scaring people in the building? I, I don't have a computer on me. I don't know what he's talking about. So I'm just looking around like uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Slams me, slams my face, side of my face into the health sciences library, which is a brick building. And while he's like slamming me, he's like, no, you're coming with me. He throws cuffs on. He's dragging me over to the car. I'm confused. Coffee's on the ground. The um the program director comes out and her she calls she's like on the phone call with the doctor. They come out and they're reading this officer to riot act. Now me I'm sitting here just confused about what's going on. I'm confused as to whether somebody in the building called the police on me, knowing that I work there every day. Um and then on top of that, it was just kind of like. I thought this this place was an escape for me. Like I, I was going here in the day so that I wouldn't be in my own community doing the stuff that my friends were doing. So I was like, look, this is a place where I can foster my, my intellect, learn what I need to do to get to be where I want to be. And that whole thing, it just changed my life, man. And, and at this, that point, I feel like there were so many bad run-ins with police that I just accepted it, right? I accepted it. I was like, this is the way it is. People were trying to debrief me and tell me about how I was wrong. And I think the other part that people don't necessarily appreciate is not every black person is anti-police. So even when the program director contacted my mom to tell her this happened, my mom believes the police. Right. So her whole thing is they wouldn't have did this to you if you weren't doing something wrong. So this whole thing caused a rift between my mother and I that has never gotten repaired, right? Um, and, and it only increased the more that we had these kind of incidents. Like I lived in a neighborhood where police would just harass you so you could come back from the store. They would find something to accuse you of. Oh, you throwing rocks in the street. Oh, you trying to break in somewhere. And they would just harass people. Uh, on top of that, when, when I was in college, uh, I remember I was riding down Wanish Way right by Florida A&M and a police officer pulled me. He came to my window. He asked me if I could, if he could search my car. I thought, you know, I would love to say I was being like aggressive and assertive and I knew my rights, but I didn't. I was a coach of an eight to 10 year old YMCA basketball team and I was running late for a game. Right. So I was like, well, sir, I don't really have time for this. I need to be right. at the game. And he was like, oh, you don't have time for it. So he went and called and literally four cop cars come surround my car. Now everybody's coming out of their apartments. They're looking at me. I'm sitting there like, what is going on? 
Um, and the officer is like, well, you need to step out the car. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't have time to step out the car. I'm, I'm not stepping out the car. And he was like, well, we need to do a search. And I was like, I don't have time to search. We can step out. So they got the flashlights on. They're trying to look in the car, the whole nine. I'm sitting there panicking. I, I, I want to call somebody, but I don't want to make any sudden moves because I don't want to give off any suspicion. And when they finished all of that and they didn't get what they wanted, he ends up coming to me uh, and giving me a ticket. And the ticket, surprisingly enough, was for speeding on a road that is full of speed bumps, right? So obviously there's no way that I could be speeding without breaking my little Honda Civic. Um, but when he gave me the ticket, the the crazy psychology behind it is I felt relieved, right? So I was like, oh, I, it's only a ticket. Right. And and I think the problem is that you get so accustomed to these police interactions that it's one of those things where a lot of people don't know any better. The reason why police intimidate folks into giving consent to these searches is because a lot of people don't know better and they're just trying to get home. So the problem they don't get, though, is that once you give them that right and they they can slip anything in there and now you can challenge the search because you consented to the search. As long as you say no, even if they do it, they'll do it. But then you, at least your lawyer can go in and say, look, everything that you planted needs to be suppressed, right? It was the fruit of the poisonous tree doctor. I think what was that, the case of Snow White v. Dwarves? I'm not sure. I don't know. a long time since law school, right? But the point is, is that, you know, if you ever consent to this, it's a problem. Now, Aisha, thank you. There you got it. Aisha Beverly asked that great question, which is, what do you think we should do with regard to police brutality should we do more than just record it? Should we try to intervene? Right? Should we do something? Right? Um, you know, I, 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 I was, I was broken up with the, with, when, uh, with the George Floyd thing when found out he called for his mama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, dead mama. And I'm like, wow, all of these black people around them. And not only did I feel bad for the state of, you know, these people, they were, you know, feeling bad. And, but, but the idea that, and this is a hard thing, but as, like, think about it, Jesse, you know, as a black person, black man, you never called out for help. We live in a world where we're almost sure that we're all alone by ourselves. You know, sisters don't even get to call out for help. Remember that McDonald's, um, video a couple, about a year ago or so, where, uh, the cat, the, the customer reaches over the counter and fortunately, the sister. Think about calling out for help, right? Big grown man is out there and she's like, I got to handle this. I got to handle it myself, right? Her mother got in her, uh, you know, karate lesson so she could fight. That's, that's horrible. You know, it's one thing to, you know, to, to, to die alone, but to live alone, right? To live in a sense where you think you're on your own all the time, you know, and for people who, you know, we, we, we always say we're better than that, right? We're family. We're fam, fam. We got to be more fam. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll say this. I want to give the, the people of Minneapolis some credit, too, because remember, one of the first things that was a challenge for us was trying to get people to record these incidents. Right. So not only did these people record the incident, they were interacting with the cops. They were saying, look, you what you're doing is wrong. That's what they're supposed to do. Where, where it gets tricky is if you tell that to a cop and he tells you shut up and get on the sidewalk. Right. Then do you allow this cop to continue the murder of another person, particularly if they look like you, or do you like physically get involved, but then you're risking your life, right? So I I don't know what the answer is. I think it's a, I think it's a facts and circumstances situation. I know for me, 
for me, it's usually about age, right? So if I see cops doing this to a kid, I'm probably getting involved in that. Okay. If if I see it happening to an adult, I'm kind of looking for a sign. I'll at least take my, cam- my camera phone out. But I'm looking for a sign from him to tell me, like, bruh, you know, help me or whatever the case may be. Um, and then on top of that, like, you never, unless you see this from the beginning to the end, it's a slippery slope because you never know what transpired beforehand in the heat of the moment. Right. So if what if you walk in and there's somebody who they shot at a cop, they didn't know it was a cop behind them. They got taken down. You just happen to come around the corner when they got taken down. And now you're like, well, hold up. Now you can get charged with obstruction. Right. So so it's it's always tricky because we never know. Very rarely are you going to be in a situation where you see from the beginning to the end what the officer is doing or, you know, enough to know that what the officer is doing when you see officer putting a knee on the neck of, of a black person, I don't, I don't care what that person did. Right. Right. A knee on somebody's neck when they say, I can't breathe. We all know that's wrong. But officers, for the most part, the ones that we do in North Carolina, they aren't as bold to do stuff like that in the open. Now, once you get in the car, you might fall a couple times right. at the police station, right? right. <laughs> you might fall or you might fall on the steps on your way to court. Um, but it's not going to be anything that's going to be a record. Right. It's not going to be on body cam. It's not going to be people, you know, recording it. It's just I, I think this is a new level for us because we all know brutality happens. We all know it. Right. But the fact that the officer was so brazen to say, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you know. I'm going to do it anyway. And you can't do a damn thing about it. That that yields rights. Like you have to. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about it, though, is like. I, and, and I'm always torn by this or haunted by this image. And I probably made it up, but I was on, I, I saw a YouTube video once of um, some lions that went after, I want to say they were water buffaloes by water and they were big and fat. I think they were water buffaloes, just to be whatever they were, right? And they got the baby water buffalo and all the other water buffaloes ran away. And then the mama start coming back. And then you could almost see the, the, the water buffalo at one point go, Wait, no, 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 They all came back and whooped the shit out of those lions, right? Right. Because there were more of them. There were thousands of them and like four lions, right? And that's the kind of case it is with us all the time. And it's like, you know, once, and you can see the cops, how scared they are in the, in, in, in the situation. They got all their gear on and they still like, ah, because they know at any point, if those 4,000 people decide that they're dead, they're dead. Right. And you don't have enough right rubber bullets. You ain't have steel bullets enough to, to to deal with that, right? And I'm not saying we need to, to to get to that point, but I'm saying there needs to be a point where the officer looks out and goes, you know, I need to back the hell off, all right? Absolutely. Because these these these, <laughs> these folks, uh, you know, might might water buffalo me. And right how, now, you know, that how do you get to that point without you know getting in, in, engaged in a few fisticuffs? With cops. Well, happen, right? A few times you're gonna have to, yes. Yeah, a few times the community's about to take the officer down, right? And I don't mean you know kill him. I just mean sort of disarm him, take him down, you know. And and so that they they try to realize, wow, you know, these people actually have more power than us, and and you know we need to respect that. Now the fact that we pay their bills, I don't know why that's not enough. All mm-hmm. right. Um. But but somehow they've gotten in their minds that we work for them. Uh, right. 
you know, and partly because, you know, we got half the American uh, population out there, you know, cop suck it. To the yeah. last drop. Until it happens to them. Yep. And yeah. I've been amazed by that. When we first started Black, well, when everyone first started Black Lives Matter, one of the things I used to do online was post videos of white people being killed by the cops, thinking, okay, they're not going to care about us. But they would care about other white people getting killed by the cops. Nope. Then I started posting videos of dogs being killed by the cops. I figured your white loves dogs. Come on, right? <laughs> you know, if, if, they, if you don't kiss a dog in the mouth, you at least would be upset that that the cops shoot 2,500 dogs a year. You think you think they care? Don't give a damn. Mm. All right? There's something about cop culture that is so entwined, that it's so, you know, American. I, I, I admit it now today online. It was, it was like, you know, how black people feel about their mamas. That's how white people feel about the cops. Even mm. if your mama ain't no good, you ain't going to ever say that my mama ain't no good. Absolutely. You'll <laughs> call your mama mama's day. I don't care what the hell she did to the kid. What? There's got to be some psychology behind that. Yeah, well, think about, I mean, your weird part is, think about, and I mean, someone mentioned TV. I'm not sure this is, 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 is all of it, but we do. I mean, we do have a, a culture that really loves some cops. All the years of watching Law and Order and, you know, Hill Street Blues and all those times. SVU, I mean, yeah. cop, you know, every every episode the cop shot somebody, we were like, yep, yeah, that's, that's right. I, I watched, um, what was that, Bad Boys, right? Mm. Or I call it uh, the most recent one, uh, Big Mama House Five, uh, the Martin Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bad Mama House. But the point was, in Bad, Bad Boys, do you realize how much shooting these fools did? Right, I watched the first movie 20 years ago. Didn't think nothing of it. They were dangerous as shit. They're driving down the road. Boats are going over their head. If these fools were like, they, they'd be like that for a traffic ticket. They would, 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 you know, kill everybody in Miami, right, <laughs> to make sure they got you on that moving violation. And I was right. just, and we we just love them. You know, if you say something funny, interesting, we thought it was great. And it's just a, a culture of us that kind of, you know, has been romanticizing these cops forever. And so, you know, we're now at a point where I think we're starting to realize. I think, Chris, did you guys see the most recent Bad Boys? No, I'm still waiting for it to be did you, probably, did you think, like, you, you were like, damn. Yeah, I saw it. And now that you said that, maybe it's the guns. Because America has a love affair with guns and the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. Maybe it's the fact that guns and cops is like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, wait a minute. So Letitia and, and, and Stephanie both saw it and are not, it, it, was it, was it, Ian, give me in round numbers approximately how many people they shot in the movie. <laughs> 30, 40? <laughs> exactly. Lost count. Seriously, in the first movie, you were doing stuff that's so funny that the, I taught 20 years ago, I didn't think anything of it. At one point in the first movie, Will Smith just shoots through the wall Right, it ends up hitting like three people with the same bullet, and I'm like, "What kind of reckless, crazy shit is this?" Right, you just shoot through a wall from your baby on the side, like you know, you guys are acting like real cops, right? And <laughs> now the gun thing, I don't get. Oh, so Jim gave us a number, nineteen thousand four hundred eighty-three. Uh, number. <laughs> I, I think Jim's probably understating it, but all right, but just around, <laughs> around twenty thousand, I'm gonna give you that. Mm. I'll have it up. Um, yeah, it was crazy, right? Well, I, you know, I'll say with with the gun thing, 
Um, cops, yes, they they are going to get access to all kinds of weaponry that some of us could only imagine, and uh, sometimes some of us could only dream about. Uh, so they they're going to get all kinds of weaponry, and the federal government continues to increase their military capacity to be able to get more stuff. I think that in, in growing up in a neighborhood where cops were afraid to come in, it never really was about the guns. Like, I think at some point in the 80s, cops legit were just afraid of black people, right? Especially if you weren't black. If you weren't from that community, you didn't know anybody there. And they knew that oftentimes if they were afraid to come in, then backup was afraid to come in. So if you're going to go in there, you better have a purpose. You better make it quick. You know, because the people aren't going to be cool with you just putting your nose around and what's going on in the community. And I think, you know, part of that has to come back like that concept of uh, I don't want to say I don't want to equate it to community policing, but at least being familiar with the people who are in that area and understanding what things should rise to the level of criminal prosecution and charges versus what things you can just let go. Right. There are some things that a stern talk would, would really help and you don't need to be beating people up and taking them to jail and the whole nine. Um, but I think part of any job where you have power over another human being, it feeds into people who want to have this, I call it the probation officer complex <laughs> where you just want to say, I know you've been on probation for 364 days, but this is your last day and you didn't pay me the fee right. that you were supposed to pay me three months ago. So now you got to go to jail. Like, those officers exist and they just want to control things um, because they have a gun, they have power, they're part of a gang, if you will, um, and they know that the people, you know, it surprises me, the people that they go after, the people that they do this to are the George Floyds of the world who right. had were suspected of having a, well, a $20 bill that may or may not have been fake. That's who they go after. They don't go after Ray Ray and them. When Ray Ray and them was like, come on, come get it. Um, they don't go after go them. If they get them, they're going to be super respectful because they know. Like, we even had somebody in Wake County a couple years back. It was a, it was a DA, actually. She had talked all kinds of stuff about this guy that she, you know, when he finally got arrested and he's behind bars. And then her dad ended up getting kidnapped, right? Because Ray Ray, some of them Ray Ray, they real. And so, like, if you... If you want to play that game, then people can make phone calls, whatever, and it's not fun. And I think cops don't, they've gotten away from that. They're more used to the person who is trying, the person who is struggling, the person who's work, who's overworked, underpaid, and the person who's trying to do right. They're not really pursuing the people who are in the community causing problems. Yeah. They're being the hunker with Trump hiding. Right. right. <laughs> well, to think about how to reform this, I've always wondered about this, and I think there's sort of a natural um, paradox here. And here's what I mean by this. Most people, all right, for example, me, I mind my own business. All right? right. So you can be carrying everything out the business. I, I ain't give a damn. It ain't my house, right? I'm not thinking about it, right? If I hear gunshot, I, I don't know which way I'm running, but here's why I know the way I do know I'm, I'm not running is towards them, right? You have right. to have a special type of mentality to want to be in everybody's business, right? And then to want to, you know, get involved in the action. And as a result, you kind of draw people who would be like the least likely people, you know, almost be, it'd be the kind of thing, police should almost be drafted, right, for a period of like five years of people who don't want to do it, right? And you should have to almost have to pull a gun on people to make them be police for a little while because they shouldn't want to do it, right? Where it'd be like, you know, but the people, the people who want to do it, I got some cousins, 
And I gotta tell you, I spent one night with these fools when I was, when I, and I was 21 and they were old, a little older. They were cops. We went to bars. We got into a fight every bar we went to. Well, no, they got into a fight. And I just sitting there looking at it like, they were in everybody's business. What you doing? What you drinking? What's he? And I was just like, man, this show died off, right? And they just were in, they were just that, they were assholes. And there's no doubt about it, right? They, they, you know, there. Now, if you, by the way, if you're listening, uh, uh, uh Jeff and Brennan, I, I didn't say that shit. Uh, Jesse's talking. <laughs> he a ventriloquist. And, and Carmelita talked shit. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing because I got to see your crazy ass at the reunion. But they were crazy as shit, right? And actually, I, I saw I had one the last reunion. You know, they got better. They matured. But there was just that mindset, right? I'm going to be in the middle of everything. I'm going to be – I mean, most people would not even think to want to do that job, right? And, I mean, most of us never even considered it, right? And as a result, you know, you, you end up attracting the people who probably, you know, should at least want to – at least want to – we should at least want them to do it. And this is why we get what we get. Now, one of the things I want to ask, and we actually have a good, a good amount of people here, allies here. We're always, as people, as black people say, you know, we need allies. We need allies to, to step up and do these things or want you to help us, you know, dismantle racism. I always think, though, that one of the things with allies is, is that, you know, we got to give them better, we got to give them direction, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an ally, you don't actually make the plan. You, I just tell you where you need to be, right? And so one of the things we probably need to do is to, as a people, figure out what we want these people to do, right, for us. And, you know, and maybe it's to, you know, maybe we need to be handing them more matches and lighters. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, not me. the idea of sort of what the average person can do. You know, we, a lot of our people are, you know, Midwestern housewives. Right. Mm-hmm. What can that person do? Right. To really, you know, help us make a dent here to 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 really move it forward, assuming they're sincere, they want to help. But how? Well, as far as peaceful mechanisms of doing that, if your city does not already have a civilian police review board, uh, particularly a civilian police review board with subpoena power okay. and some administrative authority, um, you can advocate for your local municipality to get that. Uh, and so I think, you know, people who have the time and ability to go downtown and to talk right. to the city council can go ahead and, and get that enacted. It makes a huge difference um, once police have to be accountable to someone. Uh, I think the other part of this, too, though, is I, I I'm, and I'm going to say this. I want to be you know direct. I think that one of the concerns that black America has is that white people don't come with a label, right? So we don't know if you're a racist. We don't know if you're an ally. We don't know if you're infiltrating. We don't know anything about you unless we've already established a relationship with you. So I think the first step is have a relationship with us. Like go, go to the places where we're at, right? Get to know us. If you don't have black friends in the Rolodex, get you some black friends, right? You have to be able to know the community to to even be able to understand the gravity with which people are arguing against social changes. Uh, and then on top of that, I think it the, the color part tends to fade when you look at your friend is in trouble, your friend is in need, whatever the case may be. Uh, and then lastly, I think when it comes to actually doing protests and all that stuff, you know, I've been struggling this week uh, because – Everybody wants to throw Martin Luther King in your face and they want to say, well, nonviolence is the way and blah, 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 blah. 
But I guess I just feel like we've had academic study after academic study. We've had peaceful protest after peaceful protest. We've had numerous leaders in civil rights and politics. People who are way more well-versed and way more brilliant than I will ever be. And they've all done this. They've all said the same thing for at least 100 years. They've all told you the same thing. And yet it still keeps happening. So my thing is, if the issue we're talking about is the the loss of life, the murder of black people by police, and we're at a point where the non nonviolent protests aren't working, then I kind of feel like, yeah, we, we do need to have somebody who is going to be, you know, preferably somebody who has already decided in their life, maybe I'm short of opportunities, I don't have much else going, but we do need, a, a they call it a, a B-team list at NAACP. You need a B-team list of people you can call that's going to say, all right, y'all don't want to listen to the people who are safe and not violent. You're going to listen to us. <laughs> I think that's the only way that you're going to be able to do it because nonviolent protest is now, like, I know people now at the protest that we've been there have been taking that as insult because it's like, how can you keep killing people right. and telling you to be nonviolent? It doesn't yeah. make sense. What, why are you, what are you thinking, Carmelita? We need to say no more, fam team. That's what we need. Mm. Say no more, man. Mm. Comment here. Wait a minute. I, mean, I missed that. What's, what's this comment? Uh, I just saw it. Uh, to your question, Sean, um, you were asking what do we want? How yeah, can allies, allies help us? I think they can help us the same way that COINTELPRO helped the Black Liberation Army and the Black Panther Party. I think that's how they can help us. I don't think that the system can be what is wrong with the system cannot be effectively dismantled using the tools of the system. I just, if we do, if we, if we look throughout history or we look throughout the history of other oppressed groups, they were not able to accomplish their goals that way. Right. You're right. Cause when poor, when poor people, in, when poor people in France had enough of the rich people, they got guillotines. <laughs> do what they got to do. When, when poor people in Russia, Got enough of the aristocracy, then they ran them up out of there. So it's 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 like we're the ones who always are told to be nonviolent, and I don't understand how in the entire history of this planet Earth nobody else has put up with as much as we've had to put up with, and still been commandeered into a position of nonviolence. I don't understand that. Yeah, see, here's where I think the difference is, and, and, and the disadvantage I guess we have over the French and the, the Russians and the Revolution there is that they were all the same people. Right. The, the reason that America works so well at, at, you know, at keeping most of us down is that they're able to always trade on whiteness. Right. The, the psychic wages of whiteness. Right. The, the, the voice concept. So even when you get poor white people, you can still get them to be on your side. Right. Trump is a billionaire. Never. Well, all right. On paper. Right. Uh, never. <laughs> You know, he, he only sold high-end stuff. If, if his MAGA supporters walked into his hotel, he would have called the cops on Right? He ain't want right, nothing right. people around him. But they are absolutely convinced that he has their back because he's weaponized whiteness for him and said, okay, you know what? You're going to be broke, but you get to be white, and that's going to mean something again. And that is where I think it's different. So, for instance, you talk about the, the, the Russian Revolution and the French Revolution. The two things that happened, like, for instance, the Russian Revolution is that the, the cops or the military actually turned on the royal family. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And said, okay, we will now join with the people. So people were in the streets, and eventually the cops were like, yeah, we're the same people. That's where it's different, right? The cops don't see themselves as us, right? Mm-hmm. Because even if they don't have any more money than us, they usually have a little more money, but if they don't have any more money than us, they still have a little whiteness, right? For them. And so right. they think of themselves as being like Trump. And that's why I think of the American con is, is so effective, right? And why it's hard to beat. Now, my question is, who is with me to go somewhere else? I want to go back to the motherland. I didn't go to the motherland. You can send me to Iceland, really. I, I want to get away from, from <laughs> these, these crazy ass white people. I'll go with other white people. Yeah, I, I, oh, I got some other people want to go. I, 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 I'm be a travel agent. Uh, <laughs> just with the Schumacher car. Get her on the phone. She's a good travel agent. And let's get this booked. Um, I got an island I've been looking at. Uh, Cape Verde, right off the coast, all right, the west coast of Africa there. Uh, some of y'all know about it. Um, I don't know if we can all get there, but we'll, we'll draw lots or whatever. But but here's what I think. I think that if Trump wins again and, and we burn up a few more cities, these white people will pay our trip. They'll pay they, they, they will get it. <laughs> <laughs> they will pay the they, they, They'll recreate the Black Star Line. Absolutely, right? Hey, well, well, I, I just want to emphasize the fact that if you've been watching, black people from all over the world have been coming out in protest, and our allies have been coming out in protest in places like uh, Berlin, Paris, New Zealand, places I didn't even know black people were at. Uh, <laughs> and they've been coming together. Uh, people all across Africa were coming together for this. And I think what has happened is this is if we've been looking for that one thing that was going to uh unite blackness across the spectrum, right? And it seems like this might have been it because now you've got corporations that are trying to save face in the midst of all this stuff going on because I guess people with more power than me are threatening to pull out. Um and so uh, I I think this is what I don't want is for us to water this down to just be a conversation about policing and police brutality. I want this to be about black equity across the board. This is the time. We've got the media here. We've got people, corporations trying to find what the right thing is to say. This is the time where we step up and we say, here is our list of demands. Give us X, Y, and Z. Uh, and, And we go ahead and we make this thing what it should be. I told you what we need and what we we were entitled to, what we should get. We were selling all the weed before. We need to get the weed. We need to give it to us. I happen to hypothetically be somewhere around the dispensary uh, last week. I'm not saying I went in and bought nothing uh, with my car. I'm just simply saying I was somewhere in the neighborhood. <laughs> I was, remember, it, you know, it's just a coronavirus, right? I'm in there with, with, my, with my mask and, you know, trying not to breathe, right? Over breath, right? You know, every four, 14 seconds. So I'm trying to get out of there quickly. I was in there for about, I don't know, let's say five minutes. And they must have done about $400 of business, all right, every five minutes. That ain't, that's that's better than have a Seven Eleven. You know how many goddamn pieces of sweaty meat and Slim Jim that you get four hundred dollars. And here's the thing about it is, I'm almost mad at a little bit of Obama because this game became illegal under Obama's wing, and you know he could have got us the weed. Or he didn't have to claim Trayvon Martin and nothing like that. But he could have got us the weed, and we would have been fine. That's all I really need. Uh, and we, <laughs> hey, I take weed as a form of reparations. If we get to control it, we can smoke it and sell it. That's what I'm saying. Trade stocks, yeah. Please, we'll be rich. Y'all gonna mess around and then when y'all leave and go to Jamaica or Cape Verde Islands and they already got it, you already tapped out the market. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
We, we got a question. Leticia from California. Uh, she says, what do you say to people who are worried about having kids or worried about the safety of their interracial kids because they are black? Mm. Hmm. That is a heavy question. Um, well, I can kick this one off. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's, it's okay. I, I think as a black person in America, it's okay to be worried. You need to be worried, right? You need to be worried. At the same time, I think the hard part is you have to foster an atmosphere of communication with your kids so that they understand what you're doing and that you're coming from a place of love, but that they also understand the safety risks that are legit and that are out here. Uh, and it's not something that you're going to do overnight. Like this is something that you're going to gradually build up to. The hard conversations is when your child, who's not even a teenager yet, your child is seven, is like, well, why can't I do, why can't I go to Bobby's house? Or why can't I do what Bobby does? And they're not going to like it. I ain't going to lie to you. When you be like, well, I'm Bobby, you know, I'm not Bobby's dad. And Bobby didn't have to deal with the stuff that you got to deal with. But you have to spoon feed them to a point where they have some sense of identity because the issue comes down. When these kids get to be teenagers, our kids don't have the benefit of being 16, 17-year-old kids. Our kids become 16, 17-year-old uh, suspects, right? And because of that, um, if they're not educated enough to know how to navigate a situation, know how to get home, then it's a travesty. And, and we don't want your kid to be a hashtag. At, at the same time, I don't want to raise a kid that's going to be scared to go outside. Right. right? I want right. to raise a kid that understands that in being black, yeah, you got to put up with some crap, but it is a privilege. It is a gift. It is a divine blessing to be black. And because of that, they might be upset or they might hate on you, but that's because they want to be you. That's because they didn't have it. They weren't given that blessing that you were given. So it's important to understand who you are. It's important to understand what you are. But we're not going to sit in the house and be scared to go out and scared to do stuff. We're going to go out. We're going to have fun. If we have an altercation or a situation that needs to be addressed, we're going to address it, at, at least at first, initially, in the most professional way that we know to do it. But if it goes left, your kid need to know how to fight, too. You need to know how to be able to square up, you know what I'm saying, and do what you got to do. Uh, by, by any means, get home. That's the question. You know, and I got to tell you, you know, this is something that somehow, I don't know how I've become um, this guy, but I have a lot of my Facebook family is actually white parents of, of black children, whether they adopted them, whatever, right? And, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that they have the benefit. The sisters obviously don't need to, you know, hear my, my, my they, they know this stuff, right? But to get the idea that says, look, can't you love your kids so much you have a tendency to love the black off of them you don't even see them as black anymore because you love them so much they look like you to you but you got to remember that that's not who they are and it's it's dangerous for them to think that they're you and by the way they will think they're you you know there's a, a concept of, of, of uh, what's it called imprinting among human beings where basically all animals. All animals are attracted to the people who raise and nurture them and begin to think that they are that person. So the great example is they're the pandas. Remember we had the pandas, was it uh Gigi and you know and, and Pookie um at, at the zoo and for years we had two Chinese pandas and we could not get them to mate because the, the because the girl panda would look at the boy panda and be like, What the hell look at his fat chubby ass? I wanna look at that boy's ass. And literally the panda was trying to give some 
to the human head. She was like, you know, just, you know, just giving DMs with, you know, titty shots, all kind of stuff, right? And I'm kidding. The, the panda was trying to mate with the human trainer. Why? Because she saw herself like the people that, that raised her. And human beings will do the same thing. And then you have a child out there who doesn't know he's black. And, and here's the thing is, you just, it's a gift and a pleasure to be black unless you don't know you're black. Then that ain't no fun at all. If somebody, if you find out you're black the wrong way, if you have to find out from the police, that's no fun at all. Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you you have to make sure, and it's hard. And then this thing about it, it's hard for your white person to be able to. I understand why would you know these things, and to be obviously contact. You know, one of the things to make sure they have some support, right? Whether it be with the biological family, whether it be with a, with a family you adopt, and you know, they're, they're friends with, good friend at school or whatever, but someone that can sort of help them with some of the language, the lessons that you don't know, but they need to know because it's dangerous to not know you black out here. Do you think Absolutely. it would help to, uh, for us to educate our kids on basic things like what a Terry stop is and uh, what probable cause is and when a cop can stop you and when they can't stop you and what it means to be detained and what it means to have the right to remain silent? I think those things can help, too, especially when you don't. Although I think the only thing that the most important part of that, obviously, the only one I, I drove my son with is the only thing you say is I want to call my lawyer. Okay. That's all you say. Because they'll get you in the back room, convince you, oh, yeah, admit to killing the Lindbergh baby in 9-11. We'll let you go home, right? They did that with the, with the Central Park guys, right? They, you know, if you're a young person, whatever, get to ask you the same question over and over. And I'm like, look, just tell them who your lawyer is. Um, my kids are so funny. They were like, who's my lawyer? I am, fool. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I was always told that if a cop wants to interview you, for something, they're usually trying to get you to incriminate yourself or somebody else. Yep. And, 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 and O'Neill Saunders said the same thing, so I know I'm right. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the most important thing is, no, you know, you're not rude about it. You're not sassy about it. Just, sir, you know, I, I'd like to speak to my lawyer, right? <laughs> sir, like, and, 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 and be firm about it. Um, because, and here's my thing is, is that some people think, you know, we have a bunch of people in jail now, a lot of them, like most because they thought that they could out, you know, talk to cops. They could talk their way out of stuff, not knowing yeah. that cops, by the way, can lawfully lie to you, yep. right? And you can't yeah. lawfully lie to them, right? That they can trick you, lie, tell you they got evidence, they got all this stuff, right? Tell you that, you know, that there's no penalty for this, and all those same things. And so you're not going to win that battle. I wouldn't talk to the cops. All right, well, my kid talking, but. Yeah. And they're I mean, nice. They're nice about it. They coax you. They'll give you food and drink and tell you they understand. And hey, man, it's okay. They will. They you will think that they are your friends until yeah. the moment that you incriminate yourself and you see them get out that chair. So hold right. up. They give it. They giving food and drinks to people without going into churches and killing people now. That's what they do. <laughs> I'm like. I, I, I'm. I'll say this. I think that you know. I do a lot of mentoring here, and I definitely. Um, have sessions where I teach our teenagers about what kind of like some basic generic law about what cops can do and what they can't do. Uh, and we do that with a grain of salt because mainly the parents have entrusted us with these kids and we want to make sure that these kids get home. Um, secondarily though, I do want 
kids to understand how to recognize when an officer is doing something incorrect. Right. I don't, that's not to say that, you know, that's your time to play court on the side of the road. Uh, Cause that's not going to end well, but you need to know when they're doing something incorrect. And then the other part to this is, you know, I deal with kids who are coming from poverty, like what I grew up in. So I, I kind of feel like they, it's hard for them to say, I'm going to call my lawyer because they know they don't have any way of getting a lawyer. If they get arrested, they're going to be sitting in jail. They can't bond out. Uh, and, you know, maybe they have people who will come get them. Maybe they don't. And the whole thing about it is they feel like if I concede now, um, I won't go to jail and I won't have to deal with any of those consequences. And what I've been trying to tell them is uh, you can't you can't predict what a cop is going to do. So the best thing to do is one, shut up <laughs> Two, listen to everything he does. Pay attention. Like you said, yes, officer, no officer. But understand what they can't do. If he's asking you for a search and you're not out of the car yet, you are totally fine to say no. If you are walking down the street and he comes up to talk to you, there is no law requiring you to talk to the police officer. So, you know, little things that will keep people kind of outside of those conversations and help them get home is as important as we can. And I, and again, officers, in my opinion, don't prey on the kids or the, the, any of the people really who are actually in the dirt. Like they're not praying on them. Those are the people that they hoping that the scary kids are going to call when they get into the interrogation room. Right? <laughs> so they're going to put a phone on the table and say, look, I can put a million felonies on you right now and you will never see the light of day again. But if you call the person who gave this to you or you call the person who you got money for or whatever the case may be, then we will let you go. And to somebody who doesn't have anybody else, then it's like, okay. But one of the things I used to tell my clients is if you are, you know, some people want to be part of the street life. Some people don't, and they just get caught up. If you want to be part of the street life, think about you making that phone call. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen on the other end of that phone call when you reach somebody that you shouldn't be calling from the police department? Right. Right. So it's not going to end well for you either way. Oftentimes, the better way to do it is to just not talk and force the officer to prove the case in court in order to keep you in. Um, and so we got to be real with ourselves. We got to be real with our kids. We got to be real with our community uh, and understand that, you know, I, I am tired. Like I think all black people at this point, we are just tired of seeing the same things over and over again, seeing people become hashtags for nothing over and over and over again. And then having to put together these uh, incredible campaigns, protests, nonviolent marches, studies, panels, uh, interviews, all this stuff to achieve essentially the same result. So when you do the same thing, expecting a different result, what is that called? That's the definition of insanity. If if we want to change the way things are, it's not on black people to change it. It's on the systems that are doing this to recognize the wrong and change it. And if they don't want to do it, perhaps it is time for us to start dismantling the system. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I hear you. It's, it's sad that in 2020, the thing that, think about it, 2020, what we're trying to do is not get economic parity, right? We're not trying to get educational parity. We're not even trying to get environmental parity where, you know, we have water, fresh water to drink in our, you know, in our, in our towns, even though we pay tax like everybody else. 
We're trying to just get people to get off your neck. Right. All right. In 2020, that, 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 you know how, we're not even coming close to, to, to making progress, right? We're just trying to keep, you know, somebody to be able to, to breathe and or to keep, to keep being, you know, from being shot because you, you were unsuccessful in calming down the cop's paranoia. Like right. my job is to make sure the cop isn't scared of me, even though he took the job, right, to be a cop. But now my job is to make sure, and, and if I can't meet that job, I can't keep him from getting scared of me, then he has a right to kill me. That's mm-hmm. what we've done in 2020. No, no, people, I'm telling you, uh, if you people, if you, if, you, if you don't already on Facebook, friend me, uh, we're going to get this travel agent thing, thing together. I'm only taking about 20% cut. I'm only taking 20%. But, but, but when we get to, to Cape Verde, or we might not even get all the way to Cape Verde. We might just only get to like, um, Burger King, really. But, but wherever we go, I know that. And we're going to try to go somewhere. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe just Compton. We take Compton back. Um, and we start to <laughs> do something because, um, this is, think about it, how ridiculous that is that we're, I mean, if, if you think about it, you think that Doc King thought that in, in, in what, 60 years, his people, we marching, right? For basically, think about it. We still got the same issues: voter suppression, right? You know, poverty, you know, lack of education, lack of living jobs, or living wage, right? All the things that he was still fighting for sixty years ago. We did get a couple, we got a couple of uh, a very good uh, Jay Z albums out of it, and uh, <laughs> we got many years, and we got Barack Obama uh, most of the time. But that, that that seems like a progress. Oh man, I I agree. I it I think that enough is enough. We have literally been dealing with this problem, not just you know since we've been here in the United States. You've been dealing with this problem before we came here, before the transatlantic slave trade. I have books to talk about. Europeans coming over to Africa and the, the leaders there asking them, you know, hey, that's, it's good to have a break. It's good to have distance between us. They knew that there was something nefarious going on. This is a long standing issue. And we have literally tried everything. We have prayed. We've gone to church. We've, we've, we've assimilated. We've, you know, uh, gotten education. Everything, everything short of putting a foot and some <laughs> that's the only thing we haven't tried. That's the only thing that we haven't tried. Yeah. We tried it a couple of times, but not why so widespread. We tried it a couple of times, but uh, what, what was that? Um, uh, at least at least the movie version of Birth of a Nation. Um, we we tried it with a uh, Pulp Fiction. Um, uh, Samuel Jackson, the other some white people. Um, Denzel Washington <laughs> was with the whole training day. Um, but, but you, we haven't tried enough. We haven't tried enough. I'll grant you that. <laughs> hey, everybody. Unless there's anything else, um, we want to wrap up here. I think we've solved all the problems. Stephanie has a great comment here. See, America only knows money. So we had to focus on raising black communities. And let's talk about that. She's right. Money would be a great help or equalizer, but it's hard to worry about money. Or trying to, you know, better yourself and get whatever. If you're just trying to, to live, right, to, 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 to breathe, to, to not be arrested, you know, Jesse talked earlier about how, you know, an interaction with the cops, you know, you're 17 can pretty much 
take all of that ability to make a, you know, a living honestly and or law-abidingly away, right? Once you become a convicted felon, it's over, right? And then, you know, and so even though you didn't do anything violent, right, it's just, you know, there's ways to sort of, it's very difficult to, to raise yourself when you're just trying to deal with the bare thing of, can I live? Can I have clean water, right, to, to, to drink? Uh, do my kids have a school where they can be safe? And then maybe even, I don't know, have a lunch. And then maybe, maybe lastly, um, if they can actually learn something. Think about it. Learning becomes like a third priority in school. Um, and so it, it's very difficult. You know, I, 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 I used to often think that was a great equalizer. We just had the money. Um, but, 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 but it's hard to, to, to do that. And then even when you get it, um, <laughs> it, it's, it, how do I say that? Um, it's, it's not the great equalizer that we that we think it would be, right? That's, we have a whole lot of it. We we tried that in Tulsa. Um, we also had the numbers, and Before. they made it illegal. And now they have the lottery, which is, you know, uh, state regulated. So if I agree, we do need to. That is a focus, but we have to find a way to defend it once we build it, because when we build it, it's always torn down. So. Here's, here's my, my plan here. I'm scheming. So I've recently joined some groups that are trying to connect because I, I am of Pan-African belief. Um, we are trying to connect black people on an international scale. What I'm being told is that in Africa, there are uh, immeasurable resources, but they don't control the resources. Right. right. And here we get all the things that they are deprived of there. So being able to for everybody to go get educated, being able for everybody to be in a position to own businesses, things like that. So what I hear is that there's a human workforce in Africa that is willing to do work if we bring the capital to set it up and can help us to get access to empower both continents. Right. So that we can we can get some money to be able to make changes here. They can get some money to make changes there. I'm thinking if we can do this and pull this off, then we can actually circumnavigate the American business system altogether. Because the thought process, at least from the business uh, articles that I'm reading, is that Africa is going to be the next the next place that sprouts great businesses and profitable markets. I'm so if, if we can get ahead of the curve, then I think there's a possibility that we can have our own transla- uh, transatlantic uh, establishments. The drawback that I've been running into, though, is misinformation because Africans are given different views of black Americans and black Americans are given different views of Africans. And right. what's going on is the middleman is Western media. Right. So the whole concept is if we can find a way to get around Western media's depictions of who people are, what they believe, then we actually have direct communication and build the infrastructure that we want. And we don't have to worry about white interference. We can literally get money under the, the white people and be able to do what we want to do. So I, I think it starts with us trying to first build some connections. Uh, every country in Africa is very different. Uh, even the people within that country are, are often different. So it helps for you to, if you have the ability to travel there and build a relationship, that's great. If you don't have the ability to travel there, 
at the very least, get you a Periscope friend, get you a Facebook friend, <laughs> something, and begin communication so that we can cultivate what looks to be a very, very thriving uh, potential for good business. And I think once we are able to do for ourselves, then it's going to be very difficult for people to come in and try to take anything from us. Um, and, and this is a plan. It's not something that I created. This is a concept that W.E.B. Dubois thought of a hundred, over a hundred years ago when he was having Pan-African Congresses and bringing black people from all over the world together to address some of the issues that everybody was dealing in their respective nature. And lo and behold, uh, white colonialism was the issue for everybody. Right. So if we can get everybody on the same page and form, if you will, our own black U.N., then we can get the changes that we're seeking. Um, and not have to be so reliant because, you know, I know it's America can frustrate you really quick. Like if you want to have a business, but you don't have the capital, what do you do? You're going to go try to get a loan. They're going to deny you three times and then they're going to give you a predatory loan and they're going to say you got to pay 25 percent interest and you got to have this big down payment. Right. Um, if, if you can't get a loan, you got to borrow. Unfortunately, we don't know a lot of millionaires in our family trees. So it's either working people that are trying to give you what they have or it's people who are operating outside of the law who are going to really be uh, strong armed about how they want their money paid and how soon it should be back. Um, and I think these are things that if we can set up our own systems for capital, we won't need to ask anybody for anything. And we can demand the equity that we are lacking under the system, because like uh, Carmelita said, I don't think we can rely on a system to do. Uh, the things that we needed to do when it's built to establish an entrenched white supremacy. Well said. I, 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 I agree. Okay. I think all we need to do now is just pull out a bean pie. Everybody got bean pie? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take out the boots. <laughs> 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 All I know is I got to get home uh, to, to 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 my booth. I'm because I, I know one person I ain't gonna make it without. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I, I do know. Um, but hey, hey, thanks so much for for Charlotte. We're gonna do this again. This was, was, was fun. I, 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 I get so sick of Jesse just one on one. I'm so glad y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just want to say thank you to. Everybody who tuned in, uh, no matter where on the planet you are from, uh, for those of you who this may be your first time here in our podcast, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast or whatever podcast outlet you use. Um, follow us on Facebook at Brothers in Law. That's B-R-U-T-H-A-S-N-L-A-W. Uh, and make sure that you send us comments. Uh, we post a lot of news stories. Also, if you are connected with any of these corporations that are trying to uh, save face in front of black people. This is the time to get our sponsorship. So, so make sure that you know that about our podcast. That is, we need to call it, this is what we need to call it. We need to call it the Peaceful Protest, uh, podcast. All right. Okay. Peaceful, but they, they, they like the peaceful protest. It's gotta be peaceful. Um, and, um, let's see, working together, Obama, Go high, go low. It's gonna be a little long. It's gonna be a little long. But that's gonna be the podcast that's gonna get us some money. Hey, everybody, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me, guys. And oh, oh thanks, sister-in-law. 
Bye-bye, everybody. Oh, yeah, thank you.